this episode, when Amanda tells you that you are doing a great job, stay tuned because after that, we actually keep talking with our guests and we get into some really good, interesting, important stuff. So be sure to listen to this episode all the way till the very, very, very end. everyone. Welcome to Why Mommy Drinks. This is Betsy Stover. And I'm Amanda Allen. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Betsy. <laughs> this episode, we are joined by the two lovely hosts of the Mommy Needs a Break podcast. Yes. We have Marisa Johnson, who is an entrepreneur. Hello, Marisa. Hello, guys. Hello. And we also have Megan Thomas. She is a producer and an on-air personality. Hello. Hi, ladies. How are you? <laughs> Megan is the professional. <laughs> Am I? Oh, God. You are the professional. <laughs> I'm like, hi. Hello. How's everybody doing? How was everyone's 4th of July? <sighs> it was, well, mine. I'm I'm in Georgia, so it was hot. It was muggy. Are you and... always in Georgia? Well, I moved here a year ago, but I, I work, I do a lot of work in LA still. So I'm, you know, outside of coronavirus, I'm in LA once a month typically. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Outside. I'm like, where do you go that's outside of coronavirus? Oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> I'm embarrassed. I feel like we were not social distancing on 4th of July. So oh. we didn't do it. We didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Marita, are you here in LA? Yes, I'm here. Um, yeah, oh God, okay, <laughs> somewhere I'm somewhere. I moved, so I'm like, wait, am I still technically in LA? <laughs> That's all right. You know what? Time time is a flat circle, and maybe space is as well. No, it's right. all meaningless. So you had a semi-normal Fourth of July, Marisa. Yeah, it was normal. I get well. I guess what is normal now? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> to us. Uh, we went out to my sister, so I had no idea who oh. the people were around us, but they did, and they were comfortable because they, yeah. they're around them all the time. And so, like, when I thought about it, I'm like, we are so close to each other. Everybody was in the jacuzzi, like, <laughs> slam next to each other. Oh, I just got back like, oh, my gosh, my babies. I hope I don't get them sick. Aww. Everybody was drinking. Lovely, and you were, like, drunk. normal people again? Yeah. Yes. But I don't, don't shame me. Oh, I it fun? But it probably was fun, though. I miss that. It was so much fun. I posted a video. Everybody was dancing around the pool. Like, we were, me and my husband were like, I don't know what we were doing, salsa dancing or something. <laughs> um, it was great. <laughs> it was so much fun. Oh. Sounds like a good time if you're not even we sure slept, what happened. We slept in a hotel for the oh first time. Gosh. Oh, my Oh, it this was is, on. <laughs> this is, I'm like, I'm getting vicarious. Like, I'm happy. Because I'm, I'm imagining what it must have been like. Like that's how it was sad. Awesome. It was awesome. It was amazing. Oh, I'm glad. <laughs> so I have I have three kids. They're all boys, four, eight, and nine. What you got, Amanda? Mm. Uh, I have three kids. I have a nine-year-old boy and twin seven-year-old girls. Ooh, God bless, bless you. you, Amanda. Megan, yeah. what have you got? I have an almost two-year-old boy. 
who is probably he's a grown man apparently (laughs) all the stuff that he does (laughs) going to work finally you know the usual yeah yeah all of that he cleans he does my taxes everything amazing marisa what what have you got there I have an almost three-year-old Halo, and I have a a daughter, sorry, and then I have a second daughter. Her name is Halo. And then I have a four-month-year-old daughter named Aria. (laughs) Four months. Yes. (laughs) You have a three-year-old and a baby. Yeah, basically. Yeah, it's rough, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Amanda, did you do anything on 4th of July? No, 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 no. It was the worst. Oh, no. (laughs) I love that that was the end of that sentence. Yeah. It was just like another day. And then at the end of the night, like, I just got to listen to everybody have fun with fireworks. But, like, I couldn't see any. So it just sounded like I was under attack. Oh, no. That's our house every day. Yes. Every day for months. Yeah. It's like, oh, is it June? It's time for the to be under attack at night. Yeah. I'm right in the middle of Los Angeles. So that has been like every night for the last month anyway. The the 4th of July here, though, was like extraordinary. Like it was extraordinary that night. I mean, it was like a finale. It it sounded like the finale for like an hour and a half. Whoa. Oh, wow. It was like, like, it's like all I heard. And I was just like, wow, everybody's having fun. And I'm just sitting in here. (laughs) I just felt like a chump. Um, We we spent 4th of July uh, in the middle of nowhere. We went uh, camping. And um, first of all, it was a bit of a bust. Um, <laughs> uh, Ari and I taped a little podcast the night we got back because there was just so much to talk about. Boy. Um, but it was funny cause the actual 4th of July was like silent. Uh, hmm. like people weren't okay. even like drunk and playing music. It was the quietest night maybe of all. Mm. Um, well, let, let me get right into what broke me. I'm going to tell you. Um, which is, uh, which is, uh, getting ready for this fucking camping trip. Um, so, so I'm a bit of a control freak. <laughs> if you listen to the podcast, you might know. Um, and, uh, so I, I, I planned this thing, uh, snoot to tail and, um, and I like it that way generally. Um, and I'd been planning it for like a month. I'd been thinking about it all the time because I was, I was plotting my escape, I couldn't wait to get away from the house that we had been in for like 110 days Um, because we had been uh, quarantining. Um, So uh, here's the thing. By the time we got to the campsite um, and like got everything set up, I was so tired of being asked where things were, where things should go um what we should do um what was the plan it just uh it was you know just because I like to control everything doesn't necessarily mean that I like to uh mm-hmm. <laughs> like be in charge of every second of every interaction that we were making and just like 
just little things like where are the scissors or like where did we put the paper towels? It was as if no one had eyeballs and it just made me so nuts. Um, <laughs> That's when you all- get in the car and you drive back to the house and you leave yeah. them all at the campsite. Good. Bye. Find your own fucking pair of scissors. <laughs> <laughs> and I get this it because I had packed shit. So, like, I, you know, I get that they want to know where. But also, like, it just fucking open your eyes and look around because <laughs> every – it was just, like, every moment I was being asked, like, someone was bellowing about where do I find blank. Um, and I kind of got to the point, too, where at some point I was just like, Ari, I have planned this whole damn trip. I need you to figure out what we're going to eat and figure out how to get that food into the car. All right. Like <laughs> plan the food, buy the food. Let's let's do that because I've done everything else, like everything else. Um, and uh, and so that, um, you know, I love him and he does. He <laughs> does. You know, I got to sleep in today and he brought me breakfast in bed. He's a good husband um but you know um we got there and <laughs> we were supposed to have hot dogs the night we got there um but he had not purchased or packed any buns or ketchup um because it wasn't on the list it just said hot dogs betsy um it didn't say hot dogs with buns or ketchup so <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah so that broke me big time because it was just like do i have to fucking do everything <laughs> do i have yeah. to tell you all that buns and ketchup are a part of eating hot dogs um in addition to executing and planning every little part of this uh trip um so there you go i i love him dearly i love my children you know i, I don't have to say this we don't fucking know it um, but I, but I did, um, I did really get broken by that particular Ugh. part of it. And I didn't plan anything we were going to do because I was so busy doing the other stuff. And I also just figured like once we got there, shit would kind of pa- fall into place. Mm-hmm. Um, so every time you tell one of these camping stories, it just reinforces why I won't camp. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> correct. So uh, hotels. Like they'll bring me, a, they'll bring you food if you don't have a bun. Like if, there's no way room service wouldn't bring a bun and ketchup. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> right, that's true. I just saw this. Uh, maybe it's in Arizona. Uh-huh. It's like you can rent this beautiful tent outside, mm-hmm. and it's equipped with you know the best beds and a full bathroom, Ooh. and they wow. have room service. And like <laughs> but it's like in the middle of a desert. <laughs> kind of camping i'm into Ooh, it yeah. looked amazing it looked awesome uh if i oh, could yeah. afford to do that kind of camping with three children i would go and do it alone but yeah we just like after being you know trapped in the house quarantining for so long we just had to get out and uh oh. this, this the only kind of safe it was the only thing i felt like safe about yeah um because, you know, uh, two of us have asthma and one of us has a congenital heart defect. And it was just like, I don't want to fuck around. Um, and, you know, we we didn't even use their toilets there. Uh, we just Ooh. held it in all weekend. No, that's not true. Um, but we like, didn't use wait a second. What? Yeah. <laughs> like, what? <this> is just <laughs> torture. Um, 
Are you going to, so the last time we talked, we did talk about you getting an RV and RVing around the country mm. with your family. Yeah. Is that still something that you would do now? Oh, I've been looking into it. I've been looking into it a big oh. time. All right. Um, the The problem is uh, we had two cars. Now we have like one and a half cars um, because uh, we own a Prius that we're paying off, but then we also were kind of owning slash kind of leasing a uh, minivan. And after quarantine, we were just like, well, let's take that thing off like our insurance. We're not driving a fucking minivan and we don't need more than one car because no one's going anywhere. And um, so now we have to find something that a Prius can tow, which is impossible. Oh. <laughs> right. I'm like trying to picture that right now. Like, what, yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. Prius tow? It has to be under 2,000 pounds, which right there is like impossible. And then it also has to be something that five people can sleep in. So that's like two impossibilities together. Why don't you get the big camper that tows the Prius? We could do that. I mean, but then that's it's like <laughs> costly. Well, yeah, but you got five people <laughs> in your family. You know, you're going to want space. You can't you can't be in a little pop-up tent thing, travel the country. No. No. Yeah. No, Betsy. <laughs> no, I'm and not going to so, let you. Like the bigger it gets, the more expensive it gets. And then the more expensive it gets, then you have to like start looking at real sad, shitty ones that are gross. <laughs> yeah, but that's <laughs> right, right, right. Okay, well, we'll just put a little bookmark in that one, and we'll wait yeah. and think about it some more. Unless something, the universe brings it to you, maybe. So we'll yeah. see. see. Listeners, do you have a teardrop trailer you would like to give me? <laughs> Is that what or, they're called? Oh, well, no. I mean, if I were to pull something behind oh, the Prius, okay. yeah, it's a teardrop. They're the size, literally, of a teardrop. Um, a whole family just lives inside that little drop, little one. I had to Google that. Oh, wow. Is it real? <laughs> it's a real thing. It's yeah, it, you don't want yeah. a teardrop thing. It means you're crying because it's a pain in the neck. It looks like one of those tiny houses, almost. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. like Betsy's dream. Y'all Betsy know has that three kids. Boner. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> I Betsy. got a tiny house boner. Yeah, you're. You, you got it. You you have a you have you just want to live alone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I just make it small enough, everyone else will go away. Right. You're like, sorry, this is where we live. If you don't like it, you should go somewhere else. <laughs> Mom, well, no the, the rental? You should go somewhere else. The um, oh, the RV rentals. This isn't like a RV for America or something. I keep yes. saying them. Oh, Are lady, those I expensive? Have... I have looked into all of it. Well, it, the, again, the bigger, like, if you have five people that need to sleep, you can either be in a garbage truck or you can pay what you would pay for a hotel room. Um, and then it's like, well, why don't we just stay in a fucking hotel instead of in an RV? Um, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. like, even the ones that aren't nice are still just as much as a hotel room, Oh, you know? Dang, I never yeah. thought about oh. that. What if you? Yeah, no, never mind. <laughs> we should just give up on this joy. <laughs> I'm just know that I am desperately plotting my escape at every moment. Um, <laughs> camping is sort of like a cash way that I am also doing that. You guys uh, should do something where you can do like a, a, a 
uh, channel people can subscribe to and pay, and they'll pay you to go around the country. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. That's anyways. That's a good idea. Yeah. Be like, watch us. Watch us camp. I don't know. Would people do that? People do. do I feel that. like I've seen that on YouTube before. People yeah, are staying sure. in different countries. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sure. usually, usually those people are Mormon and they have like five children. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I could get in on some of that sweet cash. My hair is not as nice, but uh, I could make it work. <laughs> Amanda. What has, uh, what's been breaking you? What's broken me? So I got, so with this whole like, you know, pandemic, our kids have to stay home forever and learn from Google. Um, I bought. <laughs> oh, oh no, that's not well, where they uh, should be learning. No, but that's where it ends up showing up. Anyway, Mom, so. I um, Googled boobs. Guess what oh. I learned. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. I'm in Google Classroom. I'm in Google Classroom. So. There's, I went and got, you know, I was, we talked about it and I got the kids these loft beds so that they can have like a little desk school space under Hmm. their beds so that there's like designated workspace for them because we just didn't have, they're not used to being, doing school at home. So we had like the kitchen table when they would come home, but now it's like, if they are going to be home, then maybe their kid, maybe it could be easier or more fun or interesting and. (laughs) <laughs> they like they can, they can like decorate them and then they use curtains to kind of block it off so they feel like they have little oh, rooms in their rooms. That's um, nice. Cute. So will yeah. You, will, will your kids actually sit down at a table and do school stuff? Maybe yeah. that's a crazy question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they will. They will. I mean, if I'm there with them doing it. So that was the issue when uh-huh. I was working was like, you know, I would sit down and start to do it with them and they would be great doing it. And then I would leave to go do a meeting and then I would come back and they were on Roblox again, you know, yeah. so they, it's kind of like they wait till I leave and then they're like, <laughs> okay. But, um, but they, you know, they would sit and do work. They can focus for a little bit, but um, so we got them these loft beds and they were hard to build so it took because i got Ooh. them from ikea ikea yeah okay. and oh um it was I like i know how that is i've built many an ikea yeah. furniture and half of it doesn't work <laughs> amanda do you know that i love building ikea furniture i wish i had <laughs> known that because i would have hired you <laughs> yeah i well the problem too is like I have three loft beds to build. So you get through the first one, which was like running a marathon. Like it was like crazy (laughs) building this thing. Crazy. And then all of a sudden you turn and look and there's just a pile of boxes. Like now you have to do two more. Oh God. Um, And it took hours to build one. So I went through and I built each kid a new bed. I, we've set them all up. We've got it done. I've got the mattresses. They're made, they're decorated. They like them. They're all like into it. Um, so, uh, then this week, one night we were going to bed and Emmeline just started like trying to disassemble her bed and was like tantruming and was like, I hate this bed. I hate this bed. And she started like trying to like take it apart. And I was like, stop, 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 stop. What's wrong? Eventually got to the point to where she was like, I'm very scared of sleeping so high. And I was, I was like, Oh, 
I get it. Like, I don't even want to go up there and snuggle with them because I'm scared yeah. of how high it is. Like, Wait, they're high. Amanda, speaking mm-hmm. as someone who is uh, very, very familiar with um, the offerings of Ikea um, and their current <laughs> and past catalogs, um, which which one did you get? Is it like a grown-up loft or is it like the little kid loft that's like got kind of like a white um what is that like melamine pa- uh, paneling or whatever no 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 it's the grown-up one with the full desk underneath it where you got can it. like sit and be under it so, so i think was- it's like the venetia or vendana or i don't know <laughs> one of those words where you're like venetian blinds <laughs> I know. Okay. yeah so um i uh i sat with her and, and I could see she was really nervous to tell me that she didn't like her bed. Like she was scared to tell me that she was scared of her bed. Um, hmm. And then I like just looked at her and I was like, well, let's just put your mattress on the ground. And the relief uh-huh. in her face to know uh-huh. that she didn't have to sleep up there. She was like, really? I was like, yeah. So I like got uh-huh. up, pulled the mattress off, set her up down. And then all of a sudden Benny's like, yeah, I'm going to sleep on the ground too. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> And then Wesley was like, I think I want to sleep on the ground. I was like, oh no, I just built these beds. I just got the, like, because now I don't know how to take them apart. No. You had to take them apart. And they're too big. I can't get them out of their rooms. So now I have these giant loft beds. All of a sudden you're in the lumber business. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But then, and then Emmeline was like, listen, we should all get new beds. And I was like, what is going on oh here? God. And they started having a conversation and she's like, we should get one of those sleep number beds like we see on TV. number. Sleep number beds. <laughs> oh my God. Oh. There's mutiny. So they've wow. completely shifted. So now I don't know what to do because I have these giant loft beds in there. And I should be like, deal with it. But they, I also get it. Like, I don't want them to be scared to go to sleep at night. Like, they're so scared. It does work out a little bit. They're so scared that they won't get out of bed to come into my bed when they're scared. Because they're scared to climb that's down. A, I mean, it's that's a kind weird, of a silver lining. It's a win. It's like a weird win. It's like a, a, a semi-abusive win. <laughs> Oh gosh, you're trapped. Funny. So I can get a full night's rest. Oh well, you know, like it's like it doesn't, it doesn't feel so good or maternal, really. <laughs> like it's like, oh, no. what are you gonna? And it's not like, um, it's not like if, oh man, if it weren't for coronavirus, you could be like, someone come take these from my house. Oh, like, I bet I still. Right, because then they have to come in. I don't exactly, know. and like exert- put them in the front. <laughs> can you put them in the front? <laughs> can you even I get them out? How to get them? If I can figure Actually, out how to get them apart. I sold my couch during Corona. Now that I think about it, she came through the backyard <laughs> and looked at it through the window. No, because <laughs> I, I had just had the baby. I totally forgot about that. And <laughs> the neighbors on the phone. Um, Marisa, there's someone in your yard. She wanted them. She was like, "Oh, I have somebody come pick them up." I was like, "Okay, cool. I'll put them in the backyard." So I put the couch in the backyard, and then they picked them up. That's awesome. Oh, we just had, I just sold our last uh, high chair yesterday, and it was not quite as 
hilarious as that but it was like weird like we put it in the in the driveway and then we back up and then they look at it and then we very carefully you know he hands us cash and then I'm like go wash your hands for touching that corona cash uh yeah (laughs) nerve-wracking corona cash (laughs) not fun like (laughs) you drank a lot of beer and now you get a free koozie or a a hat but yeah just uh, (laughs) pandemic money so yeah, now I have to figure out what to do with these all these beds that I spent all that time building, and all of the sweat and all of the work. Uh, I don't know. So there's just mattresses on the floor all over my house now, and I'm gonna figure it out, or I'm not, and then eventually they get bigger, and then they'll go back up. I don't know. I don't know. Self care has been a real challenge for me the last few months. And that's why Care Of, a wellness brand that makes it easy to maintain your health goals, is awesome. With Care Of, you take an easy online quiz and they can help you find the vitamins, the powders that support your specific health goals, like improving your fitness routine or managing stress. I know I need help with all of that. They also have a new line, their skin and hair collection, which helps you work on your beauty goals from all angles with a combination of targeted ingredients for hair, skin, and nails. So after you answer their easy questions like, you know, how much sleep are you getting or how often are you working out or, you know, are you concerned about, you know, your skin or your hair, whatever it is that you want to improve, you tell them and then they can tailor make a vitamin and supplement regime for you and they make it so easy. They send it right to your door. It's totally hassle-free and I love their vitamin packs. I know we talk about it all the time, but they're great. It's just a little pack of vitamins. It has everything you need for that day. You can put it in your purse. You can put it in your pocket. Plus, the little package it comes in is compostable. I know when I walk down that vitamin aisle at the store, I am so overwhelmed. I don't even know where to start. I don't know what to get. I don't know what's best. Care of takes all the guesswork out of it. And you can adjust your pack at any time. What you receive is completely up to you. Just because they recommend stuff, you don't have to buy it. You only get what you want. Plus, I have to say, their customer service is top notch. So I've been taking a pack of vitamins and supplements every day that help me work on my beauty goals, like my skin. So check it out. You can get half off your first care of order. You just go to takecareof.com and you enter the code WMD50, the number 50, WMD50, and you get 50% off your first care of order. So go to takecareof.com, do the little online quiz. It's super fast, it's easy, it's surprisingly fun. And let Take Care Of take care of you. Go to TakeCareOf.com, enter the code WMD50 for 50% off your first order. Our sponsor this week is Bombas. Bombas makes the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. That is quite a claim. But I have to say, Amanda and I agree. They have a really great product. They've literally rethought every little detail of socks that we wear to make them way more comfortable. My favorite Bombas are the little slipper socks. They're cotton. They fit great. They're not too tight. They're not too loose. And because they're cotton, they feel really good. But these socks do more than just keep your feet cozy. They help give back to the most vulnerable members of our community. Because for every pair of socks, 
socks that you purchase. Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. The generosity of Bombas customers has allowed them to donate over 34 million pairs of socks and counting through their nationwide network of 3,000 giving partners. And the impact is more powerful than ever. To those experiencing homelessness, these socks represent the dignity of putting on clean clothes, a small comfort that's especially important right now. So give a pair when you buy a pair and get 20% off your first purchase at bombas.com slash WMD. That's bombas, like we're the bomb, B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash WMD for 20% off your first purchase. Bombas.com slash WMD. Get cozy. So picture this, you're home, finishing a glass of wine, and just as you're about to pour another, it happens. The realization you're all out and there's no backup bottle. I call that novenophobia, the fear of running out of wine. Well, thanks to First Leaf, I get personalized boxes of wine shipped right to my door. Like, it's kind of the greatest uh, feeling in the world to get a package that's filled with wine. I'm not going to lie. I get lots of things in the mail nowadays, but when it's wine, there's no better package. So here's how you can get an incredible wine package without uh, leaving the comfort of your own home. So start by going online and taking a quick quiz to assess your wine drinking preferences. So once you go to firstleaf.com, they'll set you all up. Then Firstleaf will send you six expertly picked bottles of wine based on your answers. Here's the cool part. Firstleaf uses your ratings and feedback. So when you get your wine, you taste it, you're like, I don't know, I didn't really like that one, or I absolutely adored that, or I've never had anything like that, but I want more. They take all that. And they use your ratings and feedback to refine your future shipments. So you just give each bottle a thumbs up or a thumbs down online and First Leaf will take care of the rest. You can also choose what types of wine you want in your next box. First Leaf updates their inventory every single month. So there's always something new to try. So even though the days may seem endless, the months won't because of First Leaf. So subscriptions are super flexible. I can choose, you can choose like whenever you want to have it. If you want to get wine weekly, if you want to get like wine monthly or you can go on First Leaf and figure out how fast you need that wine and they will set it all up and they have a 100% satisfaction guarantee, which is pretty unique. So if you, if you receive a bottle you don't like or you're not into, First Leaf will cover the cost. So if you get some you don't like, you don't have to pay for that. So Sign up today, get six bottles of wine for only $29.95 plus free shipping for a year. Go to firstleaf.com slash WMD. That's six bottles of wine for only $29.95 and free shipping for an entire year. Try firstleaf.com slash WMD. Marisa, Megan, tell us, please, what has broken you? Welcome. What hasn't broken me, I feel like. So as I mentioned, I had my four-month-old two weeks before the pandemic, I believe. Um, So my two-year-old got recalled from daycare, so she was at home. My husband's (laughs) at home. I'm at home. Um, So it's been rough, like this whole 
how long has it been? I don't even know. Oh, um, so I have had plenty of ups and downs, as you can imagine. Oh my gosh. And you both um, have little kids. Yes. Little ones. Yes. Um, so this week, I would say I, um, you know, when you go on maternity leave and if you want to stay on, they have to evaluate you. Uh, to see if you are good to go, basically. Um, so I'm talking to a therapist on the Wait, phone. Wait, are you saying like your like six-week checkup time type of thing, except it's super late? So I don't know how long you're supposed to be on this, but I'm in my fourth month, so I don't know. Oh, I don't um, know what the like <laughs> – Yeah, or mater- – maybe I'm on paid family leave. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I so honestly don't know. Confused. They just extended it, too. So confusing. Oh, did they? Oh, I think they well, extended that's good it. To know. <laughs> Maurice is all excited. Like, wait, wait, how long did they extend it for? <laughs> so I'm on the phone trying to like, I mean, I am, I'm being honest on the phone with the therapist and, um, but I'm trying to get through the conversation and all of a sudden my two-year-old, she's telling me coping me- mechanisms to just like how to handle the, the two-year-old being home and what she's feeling and. Uh, things I can do to baby proof the house and so that I don't get frustrated with her. And I feel like I'm coming down on like a high, like I understand what she's saying. And all of a sudden my two-year-old just throws a shoe at my head, like just completely like (laughs) yaks it at my head. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting there and I was like, she just threw a shoe at my head. And I just, and I just started, I literally just started crying. I was like, I don't even, I don't know. I was holding the the little baby and this Mm -hmm. baby's just out here throwing shoes at me. Mm -hmm. It was just a moment of like, am I ever going to win this game? Like, yeah, I'm playing. (laughs) Like, how am I going to do this? And my husband leaves every day around eight o'clock in the morning and he comes back around six. So he just started this. And so this has just been a very intense uh, time for me, uh, testing my patience trying to be a conscious mother and, you know, take my kids' uh, feelings into consideration. But <laughs> throwing a shoe at, you. <laughs> at my head while I'm on the phone with the therapist, which God knows what led me there already. It's like... And you're holding a baby. Oh. Holding the yep. baby. It was just a moment. Yeah. It was a moment. It was just... It broke me. It definitely was broke it, was me. Was it a child oh. shoe or a grown person shoe? It was shoe. my shoe. It was your shoe? <laughs> That's my shoe. The disrespect. That is actually wanted my attention. She was like, mommy, mommy, come, come, come. Like, I'm on the phone, please. I'm like trying to be extra nice. So I'm on the phone with the therapist. Like, <laughs> let me alone. And then she threw this shoe at me. <laughs> so that broke me this week. Yeah. Those are hard moments because you're like, I see you. I know that you're doing this because you need more attention from me. Like I've had those right. moments too, but then it's also like, uh, but I can't give you more attention in these moments. Like there's no way of of winning. Uh, I'm sorry yeah. that happened. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. And this is why I'm always like, can we leave them on the curb? How long can we leave them on the curb before the people come for us? <laughs> Our parents would have. Our parents would have just like, you know, oh, yeah. Right. oh, yeah. My dad used to for do that. Sure. Well, he didn't. Well, he used when we would act up, he would take us to like the roughest part of town. It was like East Palo Alto. And he would make us get out the car and he was like, do you guys think you guys have it bad? And he would get in the car and act like he was going to leave us. Oh, and we were like, yes! 
this is good. Betsy, yeah. you were asking about what to do like a couple weeks ago. You were like, what's something I could do? There you go. There you go. I need to take them to a rough part of town, pretend like I'm going to drive away, and say, you think you had it so rough. <laughs> there is a real wisdom to that. I, uh, <laughs> Yeah. I wonder how long you can do that because I feel like at a certain point they'll be like, okay, bye. And just like, I'll just Uber home. Right, right. Like, what age does that happen? Yeah, my seven year olds would probably be like, that's cool, whatever. Like, see you later. Yeah, my nine year old is so sure that he has his shit on, like, on lock that I'm sure he would be like, fine, goodbye. I'm starting a new life. Yeah. I'm like, I'm people here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, Megan, yeah. Megan, please tell us what has broken you. It doesn't oh even gosh, have to be recent. I, I mean, ours are recent, but that's just because we're here all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say this: there is. I will say the first thing in mommyhood that ever broke me when Maverick, my baby, was. I think maybe he was like five weeks old, six weeks old, somewhere in there. Um, when I first had him, everything was easy because my mom stayed with us for a month. And she's Korean, so Asian moms do everything for you, okay? Like literally I had to do – the only thing I had to do was just like give him milk. That was oh. it. And I didn't have to do that half the time. It was so easy, oh. right? Wait, Megan, so, did you get along with your mom? Was that like nice or were you like, oh, my oh, God, this Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I love her. She's, she's amazing. I love her. And I'm so grateful for her. She makes my life easier. <laughs> so, you know, when I had the baby, she came out, she stayed with us for a month. At the time, my fiance, um, we were living in LA and he was he still had business in Miami. So he'd have to commute. Um, so at about the five week mark, he said oh, he informed me that he would have to go um, back to work in Miami for a couple of weeks. So I was like, OK, cool. And then my mom was like, yeah, I got to leave two days after that. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> so hold on a second, y'all. Y'all think that I can take care of a baby by myself? Like, uh, I'm so soon. Right. And I was like, I'm not sure I can take care of myself. Yeah. I, and you're, you guys your are entrusting first. me with my own baby. It, yeah. Maybe if this was your, you know, fifth kid, you'd be like, oh, yeah, whatever. But your first kid, you're right. still like reeling from what you just experienced. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, and I didn't have the experience that some mothers have when, you know, you first have your baby and you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm so in love with him. My experience was <laughs> I had him and I was just in awe of him. I loved him. But, like, I was more like, hey, my name's mom and your name's Matt and like let's get to know each yeah. other like that was my mommyhood experience and so here I am I'm like I don't know this baby he doesn't know me and you're just gonna leave us together <laughs> like we don't know each other I mean, we see each other every day we're getting you know it's like like we're like dating we're gonna know each other you just gonna leave us together so that's kind of how you know my mindset was as as I was being left with my own child for the first time. Oh. And um, I remember like that first night, I was just like, I just got to get you to tomorrow. See if we can do this. Yeah. I just got to make sure you make it until tomorrow. And then I would say that every night. But then maybe a week in of it just being me, I just was like, I can't, I don't, I, I'm not equipped oh, for no. this. And I remember in the middle of the night, he, you know, he would get up every two, three hours to eat. And I remember I was just so exhausted. And I just... 
he got up and was crying and I started crying too. So I'm holding him. He's crying. I'm crying. And he literally stops and looks at me and is just like, stops crying. Cause he's like, okay, both of us can't cry. Mom. Like, <laughs> one of us still every to. night. That's still me. Right. Oh. <laughs> one of us has to have it together. I'll go ahead and sit this one out. Mom. And I remember just holding him. It's, it was just like, why should I cry? Like you're crying mom. And I'll never forget that look on his little six week old face. And he was just like, you know what, mom, you just have this. And I went from like crying, like sobbing to just smiling. I'm like, Oh, how sweet is my little boy? He like, you know, took a break. So mommy can take a break. <laughs> and um, I remember the first, I was just like, this is, this is a lot. And I kept thinking, why don't people prepare new moms for this? Yeah. You know, I've read every book. I have searched to the end of the internet and I was not prepared for motherhood. And then in addition to that, you know, I had, I would say undiagnosed postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety, mm-hmm. um, probably for the first year. And that was my fault. You know, I was going through it. I should have got help. I didn't. So fault. I do advocate. It's not your fault. I do advocate. For, you know, I knew I should have. I knew it. I said it to myself and I was like, mm, that's fine. I'll be all right. And that's like something I really, if I look back and I talk to myself back then, I would definitely be like, hey, yeah. just go talk to somebody. It's normal. It happens. It's okay. Go talk to somebody. You know I, like, I always like to say to get help, sometimes you need help. It's, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. Um, but thank God I made it through. And <laughs> we are good today. And does, do I still have things that he breaks me on at least once a week. Yes. Yeah. The most recent he's pooped everywhere on the floor because oh. we're trying to potty yeah. train and I just, I gave yeah. up. I was like, put this diaper back yeah. on. I forget it. <laughs> forget it. Yep. You see, he's almost two. How old is your kid? Yeah. But see, yeah. He's like one, he's like a few months shy of two. Oh my goodness. You are a go-getter. You'll be he's October, fine. right? Yeah. October. I think that's also part of like when you're, when you're someone who's like, I have my shit, like, I've, I've got, I mean, I'll speak for myself. I, you know, it was shocking how early motherhood kind of broke me and made me feel like a mess. And I wasn't used to feeling like that because I was used to having my shit like locked down, being in control. Right, right. And so there was part of me that was like um, kind of in denial about, um, you know, having postpartum anxiety. Because it was like, no, 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 I can manage. Yeah. I manage everything. So I can manage this. Was that part of your experience? Oh, yeah, for sure. I am like, absolutely, you know, I I take care of everything, type A, like, yes. you know, there's no room for error. I have all these questions. I'm going to answer them. I'm going to research them. And then I'll know the answer. Like, I'm that person, right? So, of course in my head, I didn't really need the help, even though I absolutely needed the help. It was one of those like, oh, I'll be fine. I'll just be fine. You know, just, just take a little breather here and you'll be good. When I really, you know, if I had talked to somebody, I think I would have gotten through my postpartum anxiety a lot faster than an entire year. Yeah. You know, I see, I see you. Yes. I, (laughs) I know what that feels like, at, at least from my end. Yeah. But we're good now. He is, uh, he knows his numbers. So I think I've done a little better <laughs> since that first mommy breakdown. <laughs> wow. It's a, yeah. I mean, how intuitive to be a little guy like that and to be like, mm, yeah. What's going um, on? Right. You know, that's pretty you amazing. Have this mm. moment. That's, 
he saw you at so young. He did. Oh, you know, I could just be making it up, and he probably was just like, I'm tired. I'm going back to sleep. I don't know. In my head. No, he saw you. He knew what was going on. He decided. Yeah, in my head, I like to say, yeah, he, he felt mommy's pain in that moment. It was like, okay, yeah. I'm going to give you a little break. He probably did. He probably he did. He probably did. I mean, you know, that's He was what so little at that point. He was still, he didn't even know he was a separate being from you at this at that point. Oh, yeah. See? So. I like how you think. Yeah, I'm going to go with that answer. He was like, I'm we go are he knew what he was I'm giving us room. <laughs> yes. I know. When do they stop? When do they actually start being separate beings? I would like to know. <laughs> Never. My almost three-year-old yesterday was so odd. She She came over to me, and I thought she was just giving me a hug. She got in my lap, hugged me, and then a couple minutes later, she was asleep. I was like, what? I was like, when have you she hasn't oh, done wow. that? She hasn't done that since she was a little baby, you know? I was like, oh my gosh, you still love me. Oh, <laughs> oh. for one. She crawled into your lab and she uh, fell asleep. Yeah. She like gave me well, normally she'll give me hugs or whatnot. Yeah. And I thought that's what she was doing. And then she didn't let go. And then a couple minutes later, she was snoring. Oh, <laughs> oh you're tired. It was yesterday morning. Our, our, my husband got up and he couldn't find our four-year-old anywhere. And I guess he, and he opened up the closet in the playroom where I had put some pillows and stuff as like a little fort. And he was sleeping in there. He like woke up oh, with his brothers no. and wandered into the playroom closet, closed the door and went back to sleep. It was he loves being in a closet. <laughs> he does it all the time. Downstairs that we have like a closet off of the dining room where, you know, we put like the mop and the, you know, vacuum and all the emergency supplies. And he'll just hang out in there by himself all the time. <laughs> he loves it in there. Oh, that's funny. I swear we don't just put him in there and we're like, he loves it. Like he really does. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show you too tell us about mommy needs a break podcast yes. oh yes um well it you know out of um, marisa and i are probably around the same area in our mommyhood so it kind of just came out of us calling each other like oh what does this poop color mean or how often do i have to change them like just all of these questions that we didn't really feel comfortable asking other people because we didn't want to be judged by them. Mm-hmm. And we decided like, you know what, let's make this a podcast. Let's turn this into something different. Uh, you know, let's do a po- I'm sure other moms have these same questions. And if not, well, guess what? It gives us some time and an excuse to get away from our children for just a moment. Yes. So let's do it. And that's exactly how mommy needs a break came about. <laughs> So, you know, on our show, we have like shameful moments. We talk about some mommy tips that we've learned along the way. We do a little bit of like what's trending. Like, you know, you scroll when you run away to the bathroom for your your moment away from the family. When you're really just sitting there scrolling through the phone, we talk about what's trending. Um, we talk, you know, we have a lot of different guests on that uh, we kind of interview and just talk about, you know, our own personal journeys in mommyhood. Right now we're dealing with weight loss. And we're also dealing with like, you know, just how to talk to our kids about race, considering, you know, Maurice and I are both black and there's been a lot of things that have been going on in society. So we're just like, okay, we're new moms. We've got these little children. 
they're black. Like what, like, how do we talk to them? What do we say? What are we supposed to do? So we put all that together. That's our podcast. And we also do video with it as well. So we have the video element added to it. That sounds like something, uh, why mommy drinks listeners would, would really love. Yep. They're always looking for new content. So mommy needs a break. Yes, come visit us. You know, after you talk about why you need to drink because your children come on over and take a break with it. <laughs> I love that. Take a break with it. <laughs> is there any place you it, that people can follow you all? I mean, or yeah, is there anything or? else oh, yeah. to promote? Where can people follow you on social media? Yeah, Marisa, where can they follow us? Because Marisa made such an amazing website for us. Um, no, our website is MNAB Podcast. Uh, you can find all of our episodes. You can join our Patreon. We usually have um, an uncut version uh, for our Patreon members that you can receive the day we actually film. So there's no edits. It's just us Whoa. kind of. Uh, sometimes we're like coming up with yeah, stuff on brilliant. the fly because our guests canceled. <laughs> yeah. <it's>, yeah. <laughs> Um, it happens. You can join our Patreon there, and then we're on MNAB Podcast on all platforms. Um, just look for us, or find like Mommy needs a break. Yes, exactly. <laughs> or look for <laughs> Megan; she's everywhere. You'll, if you find Megan, you'll find it. <laughs> all right, just Google Megan Thomas and see where that yeah where that where you go. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, Amanda, I don't know if you know this, but so. Uh, our listeners are like, "Where do you have a fucking Patreon or like what?" And and uh, you know, Amanda and I, we live our truth. We're a hot mess, uh, and that's our brand, and that's our truth. Um, <laughs> so it's been, uh, you know, I started making a Patreon a year ago, uh, over a year ago, and then I just abandoned it like a like an old West town. It was just out there in the desert, uh, collecting more dust. Um, how the internet works i think uh well there you go i don't know how the internet works so i couldn't figure out how patreon worked so here's the thing i have a brother he's i mean i have a lot of brothers but um i I have four of them but this one is gonna put our fucking patreon together so pretty soon get ready (laughs) a patreon we have four people on our patreon now i don't know what's happening i don't know what i promised them oh Um, boy yeah, yeah, Amanda. Oh, but um, also we just hit a million downloads. Yeah, we did. Wow, Congrats, amazing. by the way. Oh my gosh, I'm so proud of you guys. Congrats. Yeah, we probably should have a Patreon. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, you know it's bad when everyone's like, um, can you make a Patreon, please? And we're like, I'm oh. trying to give you money. <laughs> oh, we're a mess. Look we at are that. Immense. Megan and Marisa, they've got a fucking a, a visual component. <laughs> <laughs> These ladies now, get- now, that's only because I work in like digital media. So like my job is to be an on air personality like yeah. visually on in the internet. That's the only reason. The only <laughs> Oh well then you gotta get that shit together, Betsy. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like thinking about what people think I look like. I hate hearing what they actually think I look like when these people look like I, Megan is so like good at feedback. I hate looking at comments and Megan is like, Oh, did you see this? Did you see that? Like I can never she's a comedian, so they like say oh. crazy stuff on her. Yeah, we, we did like, a thing, oh, 
what did we do? It was called Drink and Be Mommy, like a little couple years yeah. ago. And people would go on and just attack us, like physically. <laughs> like they were like, these two, maybe if you didn't eat so much. And like, it was no. just like, what? I don't remember. Oh, you, oh wait. Now they say stuff like that about me. You know what you have to do when they do that? If it's like on YouTube or Instagram or wherever, I report them for bullying. How about that? There's a little, (laughs) I flag them and I report them Mm -hmm. and I say they are harassing and bullying me. Do it. And then they'll get their (laughs) comment right. That'll teach them. I love it. (laughs) Oh my God. All right. Well, uh, Marisa, you are doing a great job. I'm so (laughs) sorry. That you were uh, you were disrespected in that way. <laughs> you don't deserve that. Uh, you are doing the best for your kids and your daughter. Uh, uh, you know she'll she'll understand one day. That's our that's our hope. <laughs> uh, Megan, you are doing a great job. Thank you, thank you. I, I, he's alive. That's that's, that's my that's right. barometer. Is he alive today? He is. Yes, we did it. He's, he knows his numbers. <laughs> he does. That is, but that's like the Asian tiger mom in me. That's you know, mm. it's a little bit mm. much. I will say that he knows his numbers, his letters, colors, all that. But that's because you know, Asian moms tend to be a little like, ugh. And I'm half Korean, so ugh. Yeah, that came through. <laughs> that came through strong. <laughs> Amanda, you're doing a great job. I'm. I'm so sorry that your uh, IKEA building skills were not. Um, valued in your mm-hmm. home mm-hmm. thank That's you not fucking cool thanks <laughs> good luck getting mm-hmm. those things out in your yard <laughs> my neighbor's gonna be like did you notice there's like beds out there it's weird um thank you betsy you'll you call the person who uh was uh in megan's yard was yes. it megan's yard and just be like hey oh well recently yard, yeah oh <laughs> check it out my my loft beds. Okay. You want to look in the window? They're in there. I don't know how to get them out, though. So <laughs> if you would like to sleep in the room, I'll start renting it out. Um, Betsy, you're doing a great job. Huh, thank I, you, pal. I wouldn't have stayed. I would have left. I would have been like, y'all can camp. I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. I'm done. But you know that about me. Oh, yeah. I appreciate well, you for your if my ancestor can have a baby on an Oregon trail, no, I no. can. <laughs> I can be asked where the tinfoil is and, uh, again. Oh, I have a question about that, Betsy. Do you ever, when they ask you where it is, do you ever give them like an outlandish answer? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, where's the tinfoil? It's probably on the left side of Mars. Check there. Come back and let me know if you find it. I don't. In my in my mind, silently, every time they ask, I say, if it was up your butt, you'd know. Um, <laughs> but I don't say that out loud. That is literally what I say in my mind every single time, though. If it was up your butt, you would know. Oh, man. I can't wait till you finally break and say it to him. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I mean, just walk away. If it was up your butt, you'd know. <laughs> i'd say it to ari but the kids would hear yeah i think you should say it to the kids one day they will be like what just happened and it'll be the coolest mom ever because it's butt humor so right? 
See, I have to worry about that when my son gets older. I have a feeling he would check. He'd be like, well, let me check and see if it's in there. <laughs> like, oh, oh. That's why I can't find it. Hmm. Right. Um, all right. Well, you know, you might find yourself um, going camping to release, relieve the anxiety of being trapped in a house only to realize you're trapped in uh, the wilderness with no one with an answer but you. Or you might have just built a bunch of fucking Ikea furniture that nobody wants to sleep in. Or you uh, are at your breaking point. Right, as your kid throws a shoe at your head, or you are in your breaking point, and the thing that brings you out of your breaking point is your six-week-old little baby. Know that you know what you're doing a great job. <laughs> awesome! And before we stop uh, taping, stop. oopsies. Oh, am I stop st- recording? Yeah, don't stop recording just yet. Because I remember when we talked about you all coming on the show, we talked about um, come, you know, speaking about uh, like. Uh, what am I trying to say? Like uh, civil rights and uh, everything that was happening with the protests. And I wanted to make sure we leave it all on the dance floor because we didn't talk about it very much at all. And I wanted to make sure that we got a chance. Is there anything we want to maybe like talk about before we are done here? Do you know um, I mean? well, yeah. I mean, I, I actually, if you guys are open to it, I mean, I'd love to, I guess, hear your thoughts as well about stuff that's going on. And then, you know, kind of just our perspectives, like I said, you know, Marisa and I have had conversations about, you know, we're new moms and like, what do we say to our kids? (laughs) What are we supposed to say? So kind of the stuff that we've talked about um, that we're going to have to discuss with our children as they get older and kind of the stuff that we have to do with them now, even though they're toddlers and younger, you know? Yeah. And I think too, um, before you jump in, I think this is the first time we've kind of talked about it with. I don't even know how to say it the right way, but you know, like with, with a different our, audience, yes, with, with our people, not, with our yeah, exactly. We're just like I don't know how. What white people, Marisa? Come on, we're, it's fine. We're black, right? Hey, it's all love. It's all love. Hey, <laughs> but I think, okay. but you know so, what? I think that's a testament of like I guess why it's so. It's you know nobody wants to offend. It's uncomfortable. Like race is an uncomfortable right. topic. You know what I'm saying? Like I yeah. don't want to talk about it, and I'm black right. and I'm I don't want to talk about it, but I have to. You know what I mean? And I right. think it's right. the same with you know my white sister in law and some of my friends that are white. Like they don't want to talk about it because they're kind of like, well, let's just all love each other. And the the thing about it is, we want to. Everybody wants right. to just love each other. Everybody should be treated equal. Like we all feel that way. However, the truth is, it's not happening like that especially in this country so the thing Mm -hmm. that I think the that is most important to discuss about that is like empathy you know what I mean like you don't have to go through what somebody else goes through to understand that that it's bad or that it hurts them or that it's it's not fair to them right yeah right and I had to you know I had my sister-in-law didn't quite understand that because she comes from a very like country background and she's like, you know, from the, the South. And she's just like, I didn't really understand that. And I said, let, let me give you this example to put it in perspective. I said, if somebody came to you and said, if a woman came to you and said, Hey, I have gone through like 
I don't know. I've been molested as a child. So it changes the way I look at people. It changes the way how I raise my kids, who I let them be around. It changes the conversations that I have to have with my children. Do you say to that mom, well, I don't really believe what you went through and I don't think that really exists? I said, no, you say, I understand. I didn't go through that, but I understand why you have to parent your children that way and why you've had to change your perspective on a few things. And I said, it's the same exact thing when you come across a black mother, because you may not understand what we have to go through, but like my son is only... (laughs) He's not even two yet, but he, all, he I had to get him a book about the Bill of Rights so that he understands if he encounters the police, he has, there's some things he has to know he can do and he can't do. And that's yeah. unfortunate because there's, I'm sure Amanda and Bessie, that's not something that you guys typically worry about, right? But that's no, something no. as a black mom, I have to worry about. It's very unfair, but it's, if yeah. I don't prepare him, then I'm sending him out there. Uh, you know, in a scenario where he might not make it home. And and that's not okay with me as a, as a mother. And yeah. when I explained it like that to my white sister-in-law, she was like, you know what? It's, it makes so much sense now. She's like, yeah. So she's like, I'm sorry. Well, and I was like, don't worry about it. You know, sometimes you just need a little example to go, okay, I get it. I don't quite understand everything you're going through, but I can be empathetic with you and your situation. Yeah. Yeah. Like in the beginning, the awkwardness of being like, I don't know what to say. Like, I think that the bravery comes in saying something. Like, just have the conversation. Start talking. Dare yourself to be wrong so that you can learn about why it's wrong. Or dare yourself to not know the answer. Um, I love that example because it's clear. It's a very clear example. Because some people keep trying to do that, right? Like, they keep trying to find ways to explain it. And sometimes it gets lost in the explanation. I think that's a really great, clear space where it's like, I don't understand your experience, but I can see why it impacts everything you do. Right. Um, and so, you know, I mean, I grew up, I always think about that. I grew up with the police. Like it was reinforced in me that they're there to be there. They protect and serve. Right. 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 You you don't have to worry about them. They're the ones that you look for in a crowd to protect you. Right. And that's so completely foreign to how some of like how black people have experienced, not all, but most have experienced police. And a lot of it is set up and and has been set up in a way to promote fear. And that's who you look for in the room because that's where you're, you're worried about who you're worried about because Mm. they're worried about you. Right. And so it's like, how, how, how does that shape you growing up with that kind of fear over the person that half everyone else is thinking is they're protecting? Like, it's just so fascinating and terrible at the same time, you know? And it's like, right. Um, and it's, it's tough. I was going to say, you know, just that same example that you gave, you know, I, I grew up, my best friend's father is, was a, a police officer. So even though we were, we were both black, we never had the whole, you know, uh, we knew the history behind policing and how it affects a lot of black people, but our experience was different because her father was a policeman. Right. So we right, had the same right. thing real growing up, like, you know, police are here to protect and serve. It wasn't until I had my own encounter with the police that I was like, wait a minute, you right. don't look at us. All the- wait, wait a minute. Hold on. What? You know, it, you know, I had a, a police officer that just like, he, he treated me and I was with a group of people of different races and he specifically treated me differently. And it was just yes. like, wait a second, like what's different here? Oh, wait, yeah. I'm I'm the only black person in this group because I'm not threatening at all. So why would you treat me at, out of nowhere, you know? And so then yeah. it got me thinking like, 
okay, so I understand the history behind a lot of Black people having issues with the police and how they're viewed, but now I get it firsthand and I understand like it has literally nothing to do with me as a person and everything right. to do with the color of my skin in that instance, yeah, you know? Yeah. And it's it, like, yeah. what can you do? I can't change the color of my skin. Right. So it's like, what can I do? And I think it's all like Megan said, like uh, your experience with the situations. And, and like you said, most people or a lot of black people have had different experiences with the police. I think for me, I've actually had situations where um, a friend, a cousin had, um, even with my husband, you know, his a lot of his family members were killed by the police mm-hmm. um, and they're different situations um, in that regard. Um, and so now it's more of like a fear. Um, mm-hmm. The way we like leaned into this pod t- podcast, it was like Fourth of July. And I didn't want to say this story because I didn't, was like, I don't want to come on being the downer. Right. But okay. um, on our Fourth of July, we celebrated Juneteenth, which was a couple of weeks before that. Mm-hmm. And um Oh, explain what Juneteenth is, is, Marisa, because some people don't know what it is. You're better than me. You're the historian. (laughs) Well, well, so for for some people who don't, historically, Juneteenth, um, it's a celebration on June 19th uh, to celebrate basically when the last slaves were freed in America. So true independence, I guess, for Black people came um, two years after the Emancipation Proclamation was signed. Uh, There were still slaves in Texas, actually, that didn't even know they were free for two and a half years um, after they were actually freed. So uh, that's the celebration. And it's June 19th and it's called Juneteenth for short. So that's uh, become kind of a big celebration for black people as far as independence goes, Independence Day. Yeah. So on 4th of July, we were celebrating really the escrow closing of my sister's house. Um, (laughs) But we were outside and we were at the pool. We were having a great time. And where she lives in Oceanside, there is a um, there's a lot of servicemen and women, a lot of people in the army um, that live in her community. And so one of the guys had a little service dog. And when I tell you this dog was so tiny, it was one of those like little annoying little tiny dogs that was walking around with his little service coat. Um, and we were just out there having a great time. And there was a woman there um, with her kids. We were talking, they were, her kids were playing with the dog. It was just a, a really fun time. And all of a sudden a police officer showed up. This was last week. And we were like so scared. Like it was, it's like a fear that I can't even really explain. It's like you get a little knot in your throat because there's kids out there. Like mm-hmm. there are kids out there. And luckily you can tell the, the police officer did not want to come up to us and ruin our day. You can see it on his face. Um, but we were naturally, it's, it's not like an aggression. It's really like a fear, like mm-hmm. a defense, you mm-hmm. know, that we all perk up like, oh God, what happened? Yeah. Yeah. And what he told us was someone called the cops on the service dog. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I swear <laughs> to you. I And this dog, okay, like one of them little dogs you see like, nya, 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 nya. nothing. Oh my um, God. Yeah. And so he said that the HOA, someone from the HOA called. And so the guy immediately was like, okay, I'm going to go talk to him and go to his house. He wasn't there. So he called him and he's like, oh, it wasn't me. I'm not home. And the woman at the pool who was white, she was on the board. And he was like, I think it was her. This is Mm. what the head of the HOA said. So he respectfully went up to her and said, hey, is there a problem? Like, this is my service dog. And he explained, like, how he served and all this, you know, why he needs it. And she was like, I didn't know it was a service dog. And then right after that, she said, but it wasn't me. But it wasn't me. And so we were sitting there like, 
seriously, guys, we're out here just having a great time, like swimming. The kids are out here and it just like hurt. Like out of anything, it just hurt. Like why? Like we we're all home. We're all watching the news. We see what can happen. Like sometimes we can just have a conversation. Like if the dog is bothering you, maybe just come over and and tell us the dog's bothering you, you know, or you don't, the, the rules of the pool is that you can't have a dog. I don't know. But is it that serious? Yeah. You know, like we're in no, quarantine. Right. We're just happy to be at the pool, you know, just like you. Um, so I think it's just situations like that where it's unnecessary. And like, we are a one people, like we should be able to talk to each other. You know, it shouldn't have to escalate to that. Right. Um, so it's just, I'm happy that we're having this conversation. It is uncomfortable, but it 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 starts there. You know, it can start from just a little phone call like that and it can escalate to something that we are seeing on TV now. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and I was going to say, you know, and that's like a real thing. One of my friends, she is, her husband, she's white. Her husband's black. And so they have mixed kids and they're little. And I remember just as all of this was happening, she revealed to me that she, she said something that a lot of people, a lot of white people have actually said to me. And that is, I don't see color. She said, I don't see color. My children are mixed. I don't see that. And, you know, we're all equal. And I said, that's, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you why that's a terrible thing to say when it comes to black people, because color is beautiful. Like we're all different colors. We're all different races and there's nothing wrong with that. So switch the statement to say, instead of saying, I don't see color, say, I see us as one people. Because when you say that, you also negate the color that's on my skin and you negate all of the experiences that I have that my ancestors have had as a result of their skin color. So acknowledge it. You know what I mean? It's what is 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 the term erasure, erasure, erasure. Yes, because I was just thinking. I, re- I just in my head just reframed it as I don't see gay people, and I thought that's. Mm. Imagine if you said I don't see gay people. That right. doesn't mean I don't think of gay people as different. That means gay people are invisible to me. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, like that's. Um, well, it's a lot of times it's an experience. It's it's kind of saying like I. Yeah, it's com- it's just erasing. It's completely completely erasing someone else's experience because you yeah. can't see beyond your own, yeah. right? Yeah. And and I get it. I get it. I completely understand because I think before in having that conversation with my friend who was white, I thought she understood everything that was going on in the media. You know, why are people so angry? Why is this? You know, I thought she understood because her husband was black and she has mixed children, right? Right. After having a conversation with her, I, I then realized like, okay, it, it helped me because in my head, like I could understand where she came from. She's, she's like, look, I'm not racist, obviously, but you know, she was like, I also didn't understand a lot of this because as a white person, I never have to talk about race. Like it's not something right. that I do. And I said, exactly. I said, you know, growing up as a little brown girl, I, I had to pick you know, when I went to the store to get Barbies, do you think there was Barbies that looked like me? And she was like, you know, I never thought about that. She's like, I never thought about that. And until I had a mixed daughter and I go to the store and I'm like, wait a minute, uh, we probably have to go to a different store that has more variety, more, you know, it's better now, of course, but you know, it's something that you don't have to think about. It's as simple as that. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. why is it, it's not weird when you see a little black girl with a white, you know, blonde hair, blue eyed doll. But then you might see a little white girl with a black doll and you're like, wait a minute, 
like why why didn't you notice when it was the other way you know what I mean so it's like Mm -hmm. it, it the reason that that happens is because for centuries in this country, we've never, white people have never had to deal with race in the way that black people mm-hmm. have. And that's not well, something right. that is is necessarily a negative. Like, it's not your fault, right? It's not your fault. This is just a country that was built that way. But what I think what a lot of moms have to do now, especially moms that are um, of different races, is to talk to your children about race. Even if they're not black, like, <laughs> you should still have a conversation with, hey, if somebody does, you know, your friend who's black or Indian or Latino or Asian or whatever, if somebody talks about them because of their race, like you stick up for them because that's exactly yeah. what you would tell your children to do if it was somebody right. with handicap or had a disability. You would tell them like, hey, you know, <laughs> you stick up for people yeah. when they're being talked about, right? So it's mm-hmm. the same thing when it comes to race and we should we should want our children to to we should want all of our children to grow up in a place where truly everybody is treated the same and not different based on their skin color. Yeah. I think uh, it's something that a lot of people have been learning recently is that um, black people have to reckon with this all day, every day, but white people can make the choice to or not. And that's a luxury and a, and a privilege to decide whether or not you want to reckon with that or wrestle with that or address that in your life and out of kindness for others uh white people need to make uh, a choice to reckon with that and to look inside like i know a lot of uh white people are like well i'm not racist so i don't have to do anything like i've i've got it down i'm good or like my family never uh, had slaves, so I'm not part of this conversation, right? Right. Uh, in, instead of like, no, no, like we're all Americans, we're all human beings, we all need to take care of each other, and we all need to be every day like making those choices. I've seen people on our um, Why Mommy Drinks group talk about how like they live with um, relatives who will say really messed up racist things, and they don't know how to react or reckon and i think sometimes just just the simple first act of just saying to those relatives because the way i was raised was like oh you just kind of smile and you look the other way and you don't say anything when that happens and it's like oh well grandma's real racist instead of like hey that's not okay and here's why Mm. right you have to make the choice how did you get to that point because i asked this because um, I'm still kind of dealing with this. Uh, I have a white stepmom and my dad has six of us and we're all older, um, of course. And we have, we have a good relationship with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, she now has little grandkids. Um, and throughout our whole like time, she has never said anything about any of the, I mean, cause this has been going on for so long. And so when big things happen, like we're talking about it, but she's never said anything. And so amongst ourselves, we always like, does she care? And we know she has um, family members that are racist. Like the, it, it's been clear of yeah. that. Um, and so it's always more so hurt. So I, um, when all this started breaking out with the um, with George Floyd and everything, I just called her. It was in my heart to call her. Mm-hmm. And I was crying and I was just asking her like, like how she feels about it and why she's never said anything um because she's she's on social media a lot like yeah like all of us you know and and it's weird when she, people who are important in your life don't 
are just silent in those moments. Yeah. 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 And she kind of gave me the spiel of kind of what you guys just said. Um, And then later on, I was told that she was just crying and that she was like upset that Mm. like made I hope she didn't listen to this, but that my dad didn't like, uh, you know, stick up for her and all these huh. things. And she felt I'm like it was like, somehow an attack on her character. I don't, I don't, when I tell you I was so, like, if I would have been disrespectful or anything, my dad would have stepped in for right. sure. I was really like just showing her my heart. Yeah. And to and to this day she hasn't really said anything about it and I'm st- and amongst the kids were like wait what where were the tears coming from? And that's still what I'm confused on like to this day. Like I don't understand where the like all the tears and the like um me 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 came from. Like I, yeah. when I was trying to figure out like what what the deal was, you know. Well, quite candidly, the thing that I've come to and uh is that um and I don't know if this is right or wrong but I'll just be like this is what I've experienced I think white people are used to everything being about them and so even when shit's not about them they'll still make it about them so so somehow you experiencing racism is somehow it like it's a she makes they, p- white people make it about them. Well, I'm not racist or all people matter or white people matter too. And it's like, no, no, it's just, you just need to stop and listen to other people and hear what they're saying. I think, you know, sometimes we feel, um, I think we experienced that a little bit when it came to men and the Me Too movement, right? Oh, mm. not all men are rapists or whatever. I'm like, well, no, but like a lot of women experience, you know, a lot of pain all the time on an everyday basis you know, perpetrated by uh, some of the men in our lives. And right. just because just because uh, it's hard. And I think in that movement as well, we were just simply asking men to step up for women and to uh, when you see fucked up shit, like speak out on behalf of women. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really quick. Uh, so Amanda has to step out because she has to lead a meeting in exactly one minute. You and we, we can all continue this conversation. Continue. I just wanted to say thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, ex- you. you guys are excellent guests. We'd love to have you back anytime. Um, oh, thank you. And I wish that I could continue this because this is really interesting and fast. Not that it wasn't before when we were talking about our kids, but um, <laughs> I appreciate your honesty and your and your ability to come on and talk through this. You know, like it's. I think it's really important so thank you thank you for having us <laughs> all right keep keep going guys uh betsy right. text me when you're done so that i can come turn it off you got it all right bye <laughs> so let's see yeah so where were we um but yeah i think a lot of times even just it's hard to uh it, one of the it, I think we've all seen that if you call a white person racist, they they flip out and they lose their fucking mind. And, uh, <laughs> right. 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 Uh, like, I'm not racist. I have black friends, all that. Yeah. Exactly. I've, I've encountered that myself. <laughs> How can times. I be racist? Like, One of my grandchildren is black. Yeah. That sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. And like, <laughs> um, but yeah, again, I think, I think it's like a whole kind of mental shift that, uh, that yeah. white people have to uh, make which is like it's not all about you um but it also is that even if you are not a direct or um conscious perpetrator of racism uh you still 
benefit from the yeah. system that's in place, which yeah. is really hard to, it's hard to wrap your head around because I, you know, yeah. I come from trailer, trailer people and you know, who, who hunts and eats squirrels and shit. And like, I, I know that people like my family members are like, well, we're poor. We don't, there's no um, privilege. Come, you know, I don't have privilege. It's very hard to reckon with the fact that like, yes, you do. Yeah. Um, and, and it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean you're racist. It just means that you are in, you are uh, benefiting from a system that has been set up for you and you need to open your eyes to people who um, have to live in, in, with a lot of other things and other stresses and weights and worries and fears that maybe you don't have to. Right. Um, I mean, and it's and important it's like, to share the load. Exactly. And I think that's, I, I think that's the one thing that I always tell my white friends when I have this conversation with them is that, you know, what, what I need from you as your friend, as a black person, as what all black people need from you is that you are an ally with us. You don't have to understand, but if you see something wrong, say something. If you hear something that's wrong, say something, because if you don't, and you turn a blind eye, you are now complicit in what's right. wrong with this entire system. You have now just okayed it. And, and if you don't understand that, just like I said, put a different example in there, put, do it exchange black for disabled. <laughs> Somebody did something to a yes. disabled person repeatedly and you just looked away. It was like, well, I mean, they probably had it coming or they shouldn't have, you know, they shouldn't have said that or they, you know, right. if you have to say all that and reconcile that, like you probably wouldn't do that with a disabled person. So you shouldn't do that with a black person as well, because, you know, a lot of times, even with the police, this is a country where if you commit a crime, yes, you're supposed to go to jail. You're supposed to get your day in court and you're supposed to get sentenced, right? Like that's just how it's supposed to go. But a lot of right. the anger that black people have is because a lot of people don't get a chance to even get their day in court. You know what I mean? Like in the George Floyd situation, I think they were called because he was using counterfeit money. That's a crime in America. Okay. So right. if he was doing that, well, guess what? He's supposed to go to jail. He's supposed to go to, you know, get his day in court. He's supposed to get sentenced, right? But that didn't yeah. happen. He was taken before that. So if you kill somebody, what happens? You're supposed to get prosecuted for it. That's just how it goes. So in the event, it's it's staggering how many black men and women have been killed by the police unjustly and nothing has happened to them. And it somehow gets right. brushed under the rug like, oh, well, that person probably deserved it. It wasn't the cop's fault. So then that's why we have to change the system, systemic racism that has been ingrained in this country. You know, this country was built yes. on the backs of slaves. That's, I mean, it's, it's true. Yeah. That's history. That's all of our history, right? Which so, is, again, it's hard to reckon with. And I think a lot of white people in 2020 are like, well, I didn't, I didn't do that. I didn't make them build the white house. Right, right. And, and, and you're right. A hundred percent. You did not do that. However, right. you are benefiting from people who did. And right. the country benefits from people who did that. Even to this day, I wasn't enslaved. Yeah. I personally was not a slave, right? However, right. I still have to deal with the repercussions of what happened to ancestors hundreds of years ago. Because right. now I have to have a conversation with my Black son about why and what he needs to do if he ever encounters the police. Like, yeah. I shouldn't have to worry about that at five and six. Like, I shouldn't have to tell him that, but I have to. And I'm yes. dealing with this because of stuff that's happened from two, three, four hundred years ago. 
has nothing yeah. to do with us, right? So I get and we it. have a couple, and we have a couple of myths. One myth is pull yourself up by your bootstraps, which is adorable, right. um, and um, <laughs> and also keep your nose clean. Like if you if you're just if you don't do anything wrong, no one's gonna come for you. Well, here's the thing: like mm. I've written bad checks. No one, no one put their knee on my neck until I died. Right. You know, um, we've all committed crimes. Every yep. single one of us have done illegal things. And the fact that we weren't murdered by cops um, has got to has got to be a message to us that something is amiss. Right. You know, and I like how you use those two myths, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I mean, what if you don't have boots? Because that's kind of <laughs> no, seriously, that's I have to say that because you yeah. know, when when just because the Emancipation Proclamation was signed. It, it did not. Ne- it didn't then make black people equal to white people. It just made mm-hmm. black people mm-hmm. no longer slaves. So now you're like, hey, you guys, mm, you no longer have to work for free. But I'm not giving you anything. I'm not giving you retribution. I mean, I'm not. I'm not paying. <laughs> I'm not giving you back pay that you should have gotten. I'm just kind of like, hey, you're free. So what do you do with people who've maybe been born into slavery? Now they're free. They yeah. don't know what to do. They don't know where to go. They, they're like, okay, how do I they buy a house? No land. They have yeah. not been allowed to have an education. Thank you. Yeah. So, so again, that's I why I say education, like, and I didn't even know how I bought my house. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. But, but you know, so when people say, "Yeah, you just pull yourself up by your bootstraps," what if you don't have the boots? What happens yeah. then? How, what do I pull up? And so, what if that's, everyone in your family kept getting boots, and then someone would steal them? There you go. That's a perfect example. Every time. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, um, I'm so glad you said that. And what, wait, what was the other one that you said? Uh, oh, keep your nose, nose clean. Yeah, just don't commit any crimes and that, then no one will bother sounds, you. That sounds great. But then we have Brianna Taylor who who got shot sleeping. She was in her bed yeah. in her house. You know, you got uh, Botham Jean who he was in his house and a, a cop who was, you know, she was drunk. She was the one who was was not in, in her right mind. She came to his house and thought she was at her house and killed him because she thought he was in her house. He's in his yeah. own house, minding his business. So, jogging and, down the street, you could be at a playground, you know, holding a candy bar. You don't, you don't have and, to and commit that, a crime. Exactly. To, you know, there's, there's a, most of these cases, the person wasn't committing a crime. They really weren't. Yeah. You know, and when I talk about like Ahmad Arbery or um, who else, uh, uh, Philando Castile, he, he had an actual like he told the officer, "I have a gun license. I am a gun." license carrying man i have a gun in the the glove compartment i'm not doing anything wrong i think the cop pulled him over for like a broken tail light which he was like oh, i didn't even know you know that happens how many times has that happened to me i didn't know that's happened to me tail. right and they were and, like oh just get it fixed and then goodbye yeah that's that's what should happen right but that's yeah. not the case a lot of times for black people and i think that's where the anger comes from and that's you know as as a white person who is not racist be an ally and say hey that's not right we you know, cops shouldn't be doing that because that's yeah. how things change is when people of privilege start saying, hey, this is no longer OK. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And and maybe the first step in that is just recognizing our own privilege. Yeah. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. OK, I wish no. I had the right privilege. All right. 
I wish I could do some of the things that I see my white friends doing and be like, man, if I could just get away with it, that'd be awesome. If I could just get a bunch of guns and go to the state capitol and be like, I don't want to wear a mask. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'd love to do that. Okay. So there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with white privilege. It's just how you use it. Now that you know you have it, how are you going to use your powers for good? There you, know? you go. Because your power comes great responsibility. Don't be a go. dick. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, we could talk about this for fucking hours, uh, right. but you know, hopefully, uh, I hope that we <laughs> reach the ears of people who need to hear it, and uh, and even mm-hmm. the people who think they don't need to hear it are at least hopefully listening, and yeah. will speak out when they see injustice, and will fight for other people even when you are yourself. Comfortable. Yes, yes, Dude. we appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for having you us. Come on our show. Oh, yes, oh, please. We'd be so fucking honored. Uh, thank you. Thank you for coming on, and thank you for talking about this shit. I know it's zero fun to talk about, so I really <laughs> especially appreciate it. Um, and uh, thank, thank you, you for having – yeah, it's not fun. I mean, think about how many times we've had to recount this, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we're so – you know, we're, we're grateful that you gave us – a moment just to talk about it because it is very important. You know what I mean? And, and more, more importantly for our children, because we don't want them to have to grow up in a world black, white or other. We don't want them to have to deal with this or even hear about this. I want my son to grow up being like, what, like I only read about racism in books. I've never experienced it. That is my goal and prayer. If my child can do that and he can live in a world with his white friends and they never have to deal with race, none of them, that would be awesome. Yeah. If we could just for the next generation of people all work together to make sure that our children aren't experiencing or actively or inactively perpetrating uh, racism would be, that would be really fucking rad everyone. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for approaching us and, um, and, and reaching out to us uh, and being willing to talk about this on the show. Um, because even just, even just talking about it on the show or even just talking about it, uh, building up to booking this show, uh, was like, you know, it was hard and it was awkward. Right. And right. The more we talk about it, the better, you know, like, um, I remember the first time this is different, but like the first time I ever had to ask another parent, um, when we were going over to their house, hey, do you do you have any guns in your house? And it was so uncomfortable, and it made me want to squirm out of my skin. And then when I brought it up, and the other parent was like, "Oh my god, thank you for saying that because I keep needing to say that, and I always feel weird about it." And it was like the more I keep saying that, the more I just go to other parents. I'm like, "Hey, do you have any guns in the house? I just want to know, you know, where if they're kept somewhere safe or whatever." It takes like it takes the stress out of it each time, and I feel like right. maybe the more these conversations with each other it's going to be easier and easier to talk about and less scary and awkward just to even begin the conversation oh my gosh betsy you get it you are our look you are in the white sister in hall of fame for us okay oh betsy that's we all i want and now I'm happy. <laughs> thank you thank you thank, thank you, you so much all right you too thank you uh, for having- Oh, thank you for having us. (laughs) 
everyone listening to my, uh, Mommy Needs a Break podcast. Uh, yes. All right, you two. We'll talk to you later. Goodbye. Thank you so much. <laughs> Bye-bye. Goodbye. My mommy drinks. Have you ever encountered an unexplained hairy bipedal hominid in the woods? Have you received telepathic messages from an unidentified aerial phenomenon? If so, then you need to listen to Bigfoot Collectors Club. I'm Michael McMillan. And I'm Bryce Johnson. And together with super producer... Riley Bray. We make up the Bigfoot Collectors Club. That's right. Every week we talk to actors, comedians, writers, and paranormal experts about their personal paranormal histories and share stories of high strangeness. Like the time when we talked to Craig Ferguson about the Loch Ness Monster and when a sea witch told him he had raven magic. Or the time I asked Pitch Perfect's Anna Camp her opinion on cattle mutilations. Past guests have included Rachel Bloom, Jen Kirkman, Paul F. Tompkins, Bobcat Goldthwait, and more. So if you've ever been abducted alongside five reindeer by an alien with grills for hands, or witnessed Bigfoot crawl out of an interdimensional portal, don't laugh, happens all the time, then check out Bigfoot Collectors Club on Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts. Bigfoot Collectors Club, you're You're here here to to believe believe us. Wait, is that how it goes? Campfire.